0: Hey, well, again, welcome back to Trinity Church. And maybe this is your first time hanging out with us. um, A big hello to all of you. And first, let me look into the camera and give a big shout out to everybody who's joining with us live right now online, whether it's YouTube, Facebook, you're on our online campus, or maybe you're not joining with us live, but you're checking it out sometime during the week at your convenience. However, whenever, whatever brought you to this moment, um, thank you for being with us today. So how about a church family? Welcome your church family on the other side of that camera. Glad you're here. Glad you're along for the ride. Um, If you are a guest, do me a favor and take out um, your phone, download the app. If you're online, um, you can download it or you can just use all the buttons that are right um, ahead of you, right on top of me, like right right here. Um, All of the information that you would want, upcoming events, it's all there. But if you're a guest today, um, do me a favor and fill out the connection card. Uh, let's us know a little bit about you, and in return, we'll let you know more about our church. I promise you. We will never take advantage. We'll never abuse the information that you give us. We're never gonna show up to your home unannounced. Uh, If you like today's service, we'll send you an email, giving you some really clear next steps of how to get connected into the life of our church. And again, my name is Jared. I serve as the lead pastor here and honored that you would take time out of your weekend to be with us. Maybe you're a guest in the room or online. Thank you for being with us today. Um, A couple quick things about upcoming events, but specifically just to talk about next Sunday. Next Sunday is gonna be one of those weeks that you don't wanna miss. Trust me, you don't wanna miss next Sunday. We will have on our stage and in this room, um, Steve Arterburn. Steve Arterburn will be with us. Um, Steve Arterburn is the guy who has written several New York Times bestselling books, like um, Every Man's Battle, um every young man's battle Healing is a Choice. Maybe you've read some of these. Um, He's the general editor of the Life Recovery Bible, which is the number one best-sold Bible out of Tyndale, a study Bible. Um, He's the general editor of Every Man's Bible. I know some of you have that. Like, oh yeah, I know this guy. Um, Steve and I served together at a church in Indianapolis. That's where he's from. Um, And Steve and I become really good friends, and he will be with us next week because you asked this question. You asked the question, how do I take my life back? How do I stop allowing the past and people to control me. And Steve wrote a book about that very same thing. So next Sunday, if you're here in the room, I'm sorry for all of you people that are online. Not really, I'm not sorry at all. But if you're in the room, next Sunday, you will receive a free copy of his book, How to Take Your Life Back. You already paid through for it, for your amazing generosity and your amazing giving, but next Sunday, you're in the room, um, you'll receive this book. And I tell you all of this for two reasons. Um, one, I want you to have this amazing resource. But number two, um, you're, you're waiting for a perfect weekend to invite a friend, a family member, a coworker to come with you to church. Um, next weekend is that. Perfect weekend. He's going to make you laugh. He's going to make you cry. Um, you don't want to miss next Sunday. So, by show of hands, how many of you are going to be here next Sunday to hear Steve Arterburn? Okay, you can't lie. You can't lie in church. You just made up. You can't lie in church and invite someone to come with you to experience next next Sunday. Um, go ahead and get your sermon notes out if you haven't already, and let's continue the series asking for a friend. Uh, but before we do that, let me let me just. Let me just pause for a moment. And this weekend, we've had the chance to remember um, as a country um, the terrible events um, from 9 11 2001. And I can remember it so clearly. I was in college in Jacksonville, Florida. I was a freshman, just moved away from home. And I was leaving my early class, and somebody said, Hey, have you heard the news? And I rushed to the student center, and at the student center, um, everybody, you you could have heard a pin drop, and everybody was huddled around the TV. And in horror, we watched the events unfold. And we were reminded in that moment, and even this weekend, just kind of remembering, we're reminded of the evil that is in this world. But also at the same time, of all of the evil, we saw the best, didn't we? We saw beauty. We saw people who rushed into those burning buildings to save others. The Bible says that there's no greater love than to give up your life for a friend. We saw evil and we saw beauty. And on this weekend of remembrance, hey, I'm just so thankful um, for our first responders. If you're in our church and you're a first responder, fireman, yeah, can we celebrate them today? A police officer. Man, we want you to know that we love you. We're so grateful for you. And, and I wanna celebrate and I wanna thank God for our incredible military and uh, we, we live in a great country. We don't live in a perfect country, we live in a, in a great country and I'm so thankful um, for our military who sacrifice, who serve us so we can experience what we're experiencing today. Uh, people in all parts of the world would literally give up their right and left arm to sit in an air conditioned church and to worship our God and to declare that he's a champion and he's undefeated without any fear of our life. And I'm just so thankful um, that we get to do that. So on this weekend of remembrance, I wanna begin our service with just that. I want us to take a moment to pause and to pray, to remember what happened, but also to turn our hearts of gratitude for all that we get to experience in this country. Will you pray with me as we begin this morning? So God, today, your word tells us that you're close to the brokenhearted. And this weekend, we're reminded of the evilness that is in this world and the devastation that can happen. And reminded of over 3,000 people that were perished. That they died on that fateful day. And families are still dealing with that loss and the suffering. So I pray today, Holy Spirit, that you would come close to the brokenhearted that you would reveal yourself to them in powerful ways and they would sense your presence. And also at the same time, God, we are reminded that we live in a world where there's terrible evil, but there are amazing good. We thank you for our police officers, our firefighters, our incredible military, people that serve us, that give up their life for, for us. And so today, God, our hearts are grateful. And now today, God, as we kind of push pause on the world around us for this hour, I pray that we'll put off the thoughts of this afternoon. Every football game, every event that we have scheduled, we'll put those to the side, Lord, and we invite you now to speak to us. Would you open up heaven over every row, over every home that's joining with us online right now? And would you speak to us like never before? We hold nothing back. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Get your sermon notes out. Let's continue in the series, Asking for a Friend. And if you're brand new, um, every year around this time, we have this series, Asking for a Friend. Because on Easter, uh, we gave you a survey, and we said, if you could hear a message on anything, what would you want to hear a message on? And you asked some great questions. Hey, how do we parent in today's crazy culture? We covered that last week. And today, I'm going to try to answer this question. Ready for it? The question is, how do we handle difficult people? No, 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 I just saw it. Do not elbow the person next to you. Do not tap them. Like, you need to be paying attention to this. Like, I I just saw that. That is hilarious. Um, I get it. I get it. We all have difficult people. But I want you to know if you're hoping, right? And this is why you asked that question, because you're hoping that this message will give you the tools of how you can change that person, right? Well, you need to lower that expectation today. That's not where, that is not where we are going. But the truth is, is we all have difficult people. Maybe you find yourself today in your difficult marriage. Uh, You have really difficult kids. You have a very challenging boss you have the most annoying next door neighbor. Come on somebody, I'm talking to somebody today. Like, and you just don't know what what to do. Or maybe it's not a person. Maybe you can't even put like a name on it, but you would say it's a group of people. It's those Democrats. (laughs) If God would just solve that, like they're making my life so difficult, if he would just solve that, my life would be better. Or you're on the other side of the aisle and you're saying, it's those Republicans. Like they're the problem, they're the ones who are making my life so so difficult. And here's here's what I know. And all of our effort to try to solve the problem, to fix those people, the reality is is it's actually keeping us more enslaved. We're more frustrated than we've ever, it may have quieted the situation for a moment. We may have felt really good about ourselves and that retweet and our huge long issue that we have about something, or it may have felt really good to lash out in anger at that difficult person. But how many of you know that only quieted the situation for a moment, but it really hasn't solved anything. And so today, what I'm gonna try to do is not focus on the other person. We're gonna allow God to focus on us to change us. The transformation needs to happen on the inside. Stop worrying about what everybody else, those people aren't here today. Like you're here. And whether you've been a Christian for a really long time or you're brand new, this is your first time in church and you're kicking the tires and you're testing the waters of what faith in Jesus is all about. I ask you humbly to open up your heart and allow God to speak to you today. And I know this, through the power of God's word and the work of the Holy Spirit in your life, that something amazing can happen in this moment. Allow God to do the work in you first. And to get our conversation kicked off, we're gonna look at the book of James, James chapter four, verses one and two. James packs a punch. Um, If you've been around church at all, James has been considered the New Testament version of Proverbs. Tons of wisdom, tons of little verses that you can use. And James is the half brother of Jesus. James is not a disciple that we read about in the gospels. So Jesus was born, he was conceived by Mary and the Holy Spirit. But after Jesus was born, the Bible tells us that Mary and Joseph were married and they had a bunch of kids. We don't know how many kids, but we know Jesus even talks about it. And James is the half brother of Jesus. He's pastoring a church and he's writing scripture. And he kicks off our conversation by asking this question. He says, what causes fights and quarrels among all of you? And for you, you would answer that by saying, well, that's easy, James. It's him, it's her. It's that group of people, they're the problem. And then you would spend the next 10 to 15 minutes waxing so eloquent about why they're the problem. And after you're done, you caught your breath, we would all be like, yeah, you're right. They are the problem. (laughs) Here's what James does. James is so great. James flips this verse and he begins to say, "Ah, stop talking about everybody else. Why don't you look on the inside? Which is why this is such a difficult message for me to preach that this is not a message that you would preach if you wanna build a church. But this is a message that you would preach if you wanna build people. What causes these fights and quarrels among you? It's not everybody else. Don't they come from your desires the battle within you? Like, isn't it you? Aren't you the problem? And you would say, well, I never thought of it like that, but you're right. Because there's something on the inside that I can't quite put my finger on. And every retweet and every time I'm angry, it doesn't really solve the problem. It actually makes the issue issue worse, which again, which is why this is such a difficult message to bring and a difficult message to hear, because it's not everybody else, it's actually you. And then James continues, you want something, but don't get it. Which, by the way, this is every sense of frustration that you're ever gonna have. Unmet expectations. All the, well, I thought they would be like this, and they're not. I thought our culture would look like this, but it isn't. All these unmet expectations, and we're thinking it's everybody else, but James says, no, 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 it's inside of you. You kill and you covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and you fight, you yell, you scream, you're, maybe you're the opposite, you go to the silent treatment. And the reason why we do that is because it works for for a moment. It works in the moment, but it leaves us empty inside. And this is what James, this is where he lands the plane. You do not have because you do not ask God. You're so concerned, God, you change everybody else, but what if we ask God to change us? If you're an extra note taker, write this to the side. Instead of trying to change people or a group of people and everybody else, why don't you let God change you? God, if you would just fix her, fix my kid, fix the Republicans, fix the Democrats, fix the people that wear masks or don't wear masks, if you would just fix them, And God is saying, no, 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 no. Instead of trying to change everybody else, why don't we let God change us? And if you're in the room and you think, well, I don't have anything for him to change, that may just be your problem. (laughs) Are you with me, everybody? All right, so this is gonna pack a punch. I need you to put your big girl pants and your big girl pants, like you need to do this right now. And you need to like lean in, because all the things that I'm going to give you, you are not going to want to do. And you're going to think that pastor up there with a mic attached to his head is crazy. But if we're going to handle difficult people, it takes all five and they get harder as we go. But here's number one, write this in your notes, is you're going to have to overlook the offense from them. (laughs) Whoa, whoa, wait a second, pastor. You mean to over, like that's real? That's not a misprint? Yep, you're gonna to have to overlook the offense from that difficult person. You're gonna to have to do something where I fear where America is totally drifting in the opposite direction. We, we live in a culture where we think that if I disagree with you, it then gives me the right to destroy you. And we no longer see the person, we just see the, the issue. And it's a very scary place to be, it's very, very dangerous. It's what I spoke about two or three weeks ago. I said the spirit of contention that's happening, and it's not just in the world, but it's also in the church. You hurt my feelings, you, you made it difficult, therefore I have the right to say and to treat you any way that I want to. And all throughout scripture, all throughout scripture, we're told, overlook the offense, overlook the offense, overlook the offense. Did you know that you can't find in one verse in all of your Bible where it says, actually, don't overlook it, actually destroy that person for what they just said. But <laughs> like, you can't find it. It is not there. Well, they hurt my feelings. They deserve it. I don't wanna overlook the offense. I want them to pay. Proverbs comes along and says, love, overlooks the wrongs that others do. It doesn't highlight them. It overlooks them. Here's another one. Proverbs chapter 12, when a fool is annoyed, he quickly lets it be known. (laughs) Oh man, social media. Thank you for this. (laughs) Wise people will ignore an insult. Another one, just to prove my point. A man's wisdom gives him patience. It is to his glory. It's for your good to overlook an offense. You wanna know the secret of how to do this? Write this maybe to the side of your notes, but it's empathy, empathy. Putting yourself in that person's shoes. When that person cuts you off on the 202 going 100 miles an hour, and you wanna like give them a friendly greeting, Don't look at me like I'm the only one who ever does that. Like holster that baby, like put put it right there. And maybe just have a moment and say, I wonder what's going on in their life. Maybe he got the worst news ever and he's on his way home to tell his wife. I I doubt that is happening, but it'll help you. I wonder why that person lashed out in anger. I wonder why they think that they need to say the thing that they need to say, and you begin to understand the pain that's in their life, it'll be easy to overlook the offense. Uh, Write this in, that love looks past the behavior to the pain in their life. It looks past their behavior to the pain in their life. If you're gonna handle difficult people, again, this is not about them. This is about you. You're in the room, I'm talking to you. You have to overlook the offense. Here's, here's the second thing, write this in, and it doesn't get easier, by the way. It does not get easier. Uh, number two, you're gonna pray for them. Pray for them. And you're thinking, I do pray for them. God, would you unleash the worst hemorrhoids that person has ever experienced in their life, right? I'm I praying for them. A couple of weeks ago, I was dealing with a frustrating person. And I have a ministry coach and he pastors a large church. And cause you know what you need to do, Jared, you need to um, pray and you need to ask God for a word, a verse and just meditate on that over and over and over again. And I'm like, I have a verse for you right now. Psalm 56, God, would you shatter the teeth of the enemies? Like break them all to pieces in Jesus name, like make it. No, in all, in all seriousness, this is an incredible principle here. There is power in this principle. Because prayer isn't about changing the other person; it's about what God wants to do inside of you. In fact, I don't do much of this anymore. But uh, I used to do a bunch of marriage counseling and premarital counseling. And now, thank God, we have amazing people on our staff who are way better at this than I am. But I can remember people would come in and there'd be you know there'd be, be angst in the room, and I would say, "Here's what we're gonna do: we're gonna start our time and we're gonna pray." I'm a pastor; it's kind of what I do. Like we're gonna pray together, and they would say, okay, and I would say, but sir, you're going to pray for her, and ma'am, you're going to pray for him. I can remember when they would start. There'd be these awkward, long pauses. By the way, I'm totally okay with awkward, long pauses. Like, I'll wait. I'll wait. And we'd wait, and we'd wait, and the prayer would start, and it'd be like, God, I pray that you would change my wife, you would, you would speak to her, let her see the wrong of her ways. But I'm telling you, the miracle of this principle would happen about halfway through, the tone would shift. You know, um, the Psalms, a lot of David's prayers would end up all like, I hate my enemies, how dare they? And then towards the end of the Psalm, what do you see? David would be like, but God, it's okay, it's in your hands. I trust you, it's the power of this Verse, Jesus says it this way. Um, You have heard it that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. That was the Greek culture. In fact, the Romans of this day even had a little G God that they would serve. It was the God of revenge. No, no, I'm I'm not gonna love, I'm gonna gonna hate my enemy. They're gonna get what they deserve. And Jesus says, whoop, love your enemies. And pray for those who persecute you. Pray for those who make your life so difficult. Why? Because it's the power of this next point. Write it in. My prayer for others may not change them, but it always changes me. So when's the last time you legitimately prayed for that difficult person? that you ask God, God, this isn't about them. Would you change my heart? Would you change my life? Why? Because prayer may not change them, but it always changes me. Here's the third thing. And again, it doesn't get any easier, but number three, you're gonna have to forgive them. Forgive them. For, forgiveness, and you know this, it's not reconciliation. Forgiveness is not bringing, like, pretending that those things never happened. It's not even bringing the relationship back to where, to where it was. It's not what forgiveness is. This is what forgiveness is. Are you ready for it? You are declaring when you forgive, God, I am not going to be the one to hold the bag. And when you forgive, it actually releases the prisoner. And what you're going to discover is that the prisoner was you. If there's unforgiveness in your life, all the walls, all the hostility, which is a condition of your soul, forgiveness is not about the other person. You're not doing any damage to them, but you think you are, right? Well, they deserve it. They don't deserve to be forgiven. You have no idea what they've done to me. Jesus, on his worst day, Luke 22, Jesus is hanging on the cross. Now most movies picture that Jesus is like way at the top of a hill and he's far away from the people. But Roman crucifixion, the cross would literally be six inches to a foot off the ground. And people would be right next to his face. So when it says they were spitting on him and ripping out his beard, they're literally right there in his face. And Jesus says in that moment, Father, forgive him, forgive him, forgive him, forgive him. I release it. They have no idea what they're doing. All throughout your Bible, we're told this. This is just one example. You must make allowance for each other's faults and forgive the person who offends you. They don't deserve it. Yeah, but you don't deserve what's next either. But but they need to know how much it hurt me. You need to make allowance for each other's faults and forgive the person who offends you. Because remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must also forgive others. Write this to the side of your notes that forgiving someone won't change the past, but it will change your future. It will change your future. So we're going to release the offense, overlook the offense, we're going to pray, we're going to forgive. Here's number four, you're going to bless them, bless them. Now for you note takers, which by the way, um, all the spiritual people at this church are, are note takers. <laughs> I'm, I'm being serious. Um, this is what this means, write it to the side, one more step. But to bless them, this is what this means in the Bible. Um, it means that you're going to speak well of them. You're going to speak well of them. We live in a culture where we don't have to do that. We can hide behind our screens and we can tweet any mean thing out, Facebook, whatever you wanna do, whatever is your jam. Like we just sit behind it and we think that we can destroy people that disagree with us. May that not be so of followers of Jesus. It hasn't just happened in the world, it's happening in the church where we complain and we gossip and we ask people, you gotta pray for me about this. And we, we package it in a prayer request, right? Would you pray for me about this? And then we spend the next 15 minutes waxing eloquently of how bad somebody's hurt us. And the Bible comes along and says, actually, follower of Jesus, if you wanna handle difficult people, you're gonna have to learn how to speak well of each other. Jesus says this in Luke chapter six, but I tell you who hear me, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Ready for this? Speak well of those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. And Peter comes along in first Peter and says, do not do wrong to repay a wrong, and do not insult to repay an insult, but replay with a, with your words, with a blessing. Because you yourselves were called to do this so that you might receive a blessing. You're learning the principle that it comes back to you. What you put out, comes back. I could do a whole series on the power of our of our words. The Bible says it has the power of life and death and we eat of its fruit. That what we say is is powerful. Think about this. God looked at our lifeless, formless earth, whatever it was, this big glob, and he used his words and he said, form the earth. What was he doing? He was forming the world with his words. Which is why this is so important, right? This to the side, is that we create our world with our words. Hey, parents, listen to me, lean in. How you talk to your kids, it matters. Hey, parents, how you talk about those in authority when your kids are listening, matters. How you talk about that difficult person who you think deserves all of these bad things, how you talk about those, it, it matters. You have the power in your language to create the world, which is what I do here. It's, it's, I'm trying to create culture here at Trinity Church, which is why you're never gonna hear me talk bad about you, ever. I get to pastor you. I get to lead at this church. I don't have to. I get to, which is why I think you are the most amazing people. I think this is an amazing church. I get to do this. As long as you want me to be your pastor, I'll be your pastor. What am I doing? I'm creating worlds. You are amazing. You're so generous. This is the best place. I don't understand why nobody wants to, like my, people don't wanna be a part of this church. I'm building you up. Ephesians tells us that by your words, you either build up or you tear down. Words are never neutral. You create your world with your words. And he's saying, that difficult person who has mistreated you for so long, you know what you have to do? Speak well of them, to bless them. And then we get to the last point, and this is the hardest, this is the hardest. I want you to write this in, I want you just to focus on the scriptures I'm gonna share with you. But we're gonna handle difficult people Number five, you're gonna to have to do good to them. Do good to them. I mean, look for a way out of your way to do something nice for that person who has mistreated you, that person who has lied about you, that person you think is so difficult, that group of people that you can't stand because you think that they are ruining your life. The Bible comes around and says, hey, have you ever tried maybe to do something good for them? Again, it may change. The transformation may happen on the inside. Look what Paul says, I love this verse. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. And that's easy, that's what we wanna do, but don't do it. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it's possible, as far as it depends upon you, live at peace with everyone. Check what he says here. Do not take revenge. Like trust the Lord, right? Give it to him. God, I'm not gonna be the one holding the bag. I'm gonna trust you with this. Even though I want to, and even though this doesn't make any sense, I trust you. Don't take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it's written, it's mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. But on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, do good to them, feed them. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. Do good to them. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head." And some of you are reading this for the first time and you're like, that's what I'm talking about. Like, let them burn, baby. Like put in the fire, bring the wrath, like burn them. And that's not what Paul's saying. In this culture, one of the great commodities is a burning coal. They didn't have matches, they didn't have stoves, they didn't have gas or a lighter. Every day, they'd have to work really, really hard to have a fire. And at night, they would get the fire so hot, so in the morning when they would wake up, there would be a burning coal so they could have food in the morning, they could wash their clothes, all those things that were so important. This was a great commodity. So, So just think about what is your great commodity? I don't know what that is. But what would you consider your greatest commodity? I want you to think about that. And Paul is telling the church in Rome, your enemy, those difficult people, those people that you think are just out there to get you, it is time for you to heap, like to be generous, like to hold nothing back. And to say, what's mine is yours. And I know you hurt me and I know you did me wrong. And I know we have major disagreements, but now this is my time. I'm going to heap burning coals on your head. Do not overcome, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil by heaping your greatest commodity on those who are your enemy. And I know you're thinking of this incredible list. And you're thinking, Jared, (laughs) there is no way. It is impossible to do any of these things that you just talked about. And I would say you're, you're right. You're right. It is impossible to do what we've talked about today unless, unless... You've been on the receiving end of all of this. And I would submit to you today that you have, that there is a God in heaven who knows everything about you, and he overlooks your offense today. There's a God in heaven who knows everything about you and loves you anyway. And Jesus, right now, he is sitting at the right hand of the Father. And the Bible says that he is making intercession for us, that he's praying for us. So this week, when we made that terrible mistake and we blew it again for the hundredth time, Jesus is standing right next to the Father and he's saying, Hey, Daddy, um, let's forgive him again. Let's forgive him. I believe there's something better in Jared than what he's doing right now. Let's, let's forgive him. And we have a God who's speaking blessing and favor and joy and grace and peace and mercy over each and every one of us. And we have a God who willingly pours out his blessing and his goodness on all of us. I mean, just the fact, I'll I'll put myself in this scenario, just the fact that I'm on this stage doing what I get to do is a sign of God's goodness. I know who I am, I know all of the sins, all of the junk, all of the crap in my life, and God still chooses to use me. Which then, gives me the capacity to extend this to other people. Because I know who I am, but I know what God has done for me. Which is why we get verses like this in Matthew chapter 10, freely you have received all of that. Now it's your chance to give it away? That you're not going to allow that difficult person to control your life any longer. They're not here, you're here. God is speaking to you. And here's what I know, here's the takeaway, write it in your notes, but don't put your stuff away. We're gonna have a moment here. But we know this, that forgiven forgive. it's who we are. So right where you are, bow your head, close your eyes, online, I encourage you to turn off every distraction. I believe the Holy Spirit is speaking to many of us today. In fact, I'm gonna ask you to open up your hands all over this room online. Come on, just like this. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you in this moment. Stop even thinking about the difficult people or that group of people. <laughs> Come on, God wants to do a work inside of you right now. So today, God, we are releasing the difficult person. Today, we overlook that offense. We're not going to hold on to it anymore. We're not going to keep that grudge. And today, put that difficult person right there in your mind and just begin to pray for them. Don't pray for them right now. And then forgive them all the hurt, all the heartache. Release them in Jesus' name. And today, God, we're gonna talk good. We're gonna use the power of our words to bless, not to tear people down. And now we're gonna find ways to do good. We're gonna heap our greatest commodity. Lord, thank you for the work that you're doing in the hearts of your people today. Healing is taking place. We are not going to walk out of this room with that same, with all the, same, the baggage, the heartache, the frustration. Today, God, we walk in freedom. With your heads bowed and your eyes still closed, some of you are in the room and you just know it, you know you're far from God, you know you are. And you've never been on the receiving end of his grace and his goodness and his mercy. But today, you know you need to. Today, you know, or you hear, you hear God speaking to you, that there's a God in heaven who knows everything about you and loves you anyway. And today, you need to respond to his love. I'm not gonna call you out. I'm, make, I'm not gonna make you come down front. It's not about joining this church, but I do wanna pray for you. Today, in the quietness of this moment, you know you need to give your heart to Jesus. You need to respond to the love of God. Let me pray for you. So all over this room, if that's you, you need to be prayed for. Would you lift up your hand as high as I can see it, long, high enough for me to see it, long enough for me to recognize it, and say, today, I need to respond to the love of God. Hey, God bless you. Somebody else would say, Pastor, that's me. Over here, God bless you. Back, thank you, way to go, way to go. Right here, thank you. So right where you are, come on, pray this prayer. Put it in your own words. Just say, today, God, I'm sorry for going my own way. I'm sorry for keeping you at a distance. But today, as simply as I know how, I give my life to you. Come on, tell them that. I give my life to you. Say, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for me. And today I receive his grace, his forgiveness, his mercy. Now tell them this, say, I hold nothing back. Today I give you my everything, I give you my all. Now, Holy Spirit, I thank you for every person who's praying that prayer. Some today are praying this prayer for the very first time. Others, it might be a recommitment prayer, Lord, but you know right where they are. And today we just say thank you. Thank you for saving people today. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Come on, church, celebrate with me those who just said yes to Jesus. Isn't that awesome? Man, several hands are in the air. And let me just ask you, if you prayed that prayer with me just a moment ago, um, take out the connection card that's inside the worship guide or the app. It's right there under services. And just let us know today of your decision. Um, it's the same hassle-free guarantee. We're not gonna come knocking on your door, uh, but we're simply gonna give you an email giving you some clear next steps of what to do with your faith in Jesus. And let me just tell you, um, the very next step is water baptism. And next Sunday, we're gonna celebrate life change here at Trinity Church. It's the third Sunday of every month. So if that's you, you know you need to be water baptized, on that connection card, you can check the box. I need to be water baptized. And our team, our pastor would reach out to you, answer all the questions that you have. And next Sunday, you can declare publicly what Jesus has done in your life. It's going to be an incredible celebration. And also a next step around here is a thing we call the growth track. It is now a two-step process that will help you know God, find a friend, discover your purpose, so we can make a difference. Today, after this service is step two, you can join at any time. So even if you missed last week, we've created it in such a way where you can join right now. And then next Sunday... It's step one again. So whether you are on the journey, um, your next step, water baptism, the growth track, we'd love to help you take your next step here at Trinity. And church, before we send you out, we're gonna continue right now to worship the Lord through the giving of our tithes and offerings. Aren't you grateful to do that? You may be wondering, why are they clapping to give money? Um, Here's why, Um, we serve a give first God, so we're gonna be a give first people. So however you give, in the boxes in the back of the room, online, through the church app, thank you for your amazing generosity. We don't have to, we get to, and it's our privilege and our joy to give back to God. He's given us so, so much. Hey, I'm gonna ask you to stand to your feet all over the room. I wanna pray a blessing over you. Um, If you need prayer today for any reason, um, our prayer team will be down front. We'll have a lanyard, a serve team. We would love to pray with you. We'd love to pray for you. Um, It's not a weird thing to ask for prayer in a church. We would love the privilege to pray with you or any need that you have going on in your life. And if you're a guest today, my wife and I will be down front for a few moments. We'd love to shake your hand and we'd love to welcome you today to Trinity Church. Let's pray. God, I thank you for... These incredible people, the amazing people of Trinity Church, thank you for what you're doing in this place and what you're doing through their lives. And today, God, again, we celebrate those who just said yes to you. You saved people today in this moment, and we honor and we praise you. And now I pray that we will have the most amazing Sunday afternoon that we've ever had, and the Cardinals will win. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Church, I love you. Keep coming back. We'll see you next weekend. God bless you.